The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. There you go. 6.30, Chet Afternoon News at 2.05. And to answer your question, I have a guest in studio. No, you don't need those because uh, we won't be taking calls. Well, you know what? If we have time, we will. I'm uh, joined in studio by EPS Sergeant Kerry Bates. He's been on this show before. About a year ago, I think we determined, uh, Kerry, I'm talking about traffic safety. Let me get you turned on so we can hear you. There you go. Um, We have a full show this afternoon. There is, of course, that situation uh, in Texas uh, with the school shooting. We have a a plane crash in Cuba as well. So our newsroom is on top of both those stories. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon with those. But right now, uh, with the long weekend approaching, we want to talk a little bit about safety and the rules of the road. And as I said just a moment ago, in studio, EPS Sergeant Kerry Bates. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Oh, you decided to use the one mic I didn't turn on. There you go. There I am. (laughs) There you go. You know what? If you wouldn't mind, would you switch over to that mic? Because that left mic is horrific. There you go. That's the one we give to the fourth person who shows up for the show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Kerry, I don't even know where to begin, but I did want to ask you about this. Um, The long weekend, of course, there's going to be more traffic out there. Uh, but I wondered if you could address and explain uh, any new rules as of, I think it's April 9th, with regard to um, uh, roadside testing for the combination of marijuana and alcohol. Uh, the only changes, like the, the charges themselves, are the same process from our angle. The, uh, the only change, uh, the big change to it, I guess, is if you are charged with the, an impaired driving offense, uh, under the criminal code, you're now a 90-day immediate s- suspension. That's a change from uh, the previous setup where you would be suspended until your uh, charge was processed through court. Okay. So previously, though, because I wasn't aware of it, um, I thought that there was a test for impairment for alcohol and there was a, a or a level of uh, a legal limit, and then there was a legal limit for THC, but there wasn't the legal limit for a combination of the two. Is that not correct? There's a, a measured scientific level of uh, 80 milligrams of for alcohol. Okay. There's not that measurement for drugs. It's a uh, drug recognition uh, expert test or uh, examiner test on the roadside, which is a kind of a series of subjective tests that they determine your impairment and then demand blood. Okay. So here in Edmonton, we do not have a roadside test at the moment for THC? No. Okay. But that's coming? Uh, hopefully, yes. There's doesn't seem to be a really satisfactory test anywhere. So uh, that's in the, in the works. Okay. Because that, that's what I had heard, that there was these roadside devices that would cost, I think, three or $400 each. Um, but they had not been approved yet, and so therefore were not being used. So in, in the absence of that, they're training officers, traffic officers, to acknowledge or recognize impairment by THC? Yes, the drug uh, recognition program has actually been going for several years. Okay. Of course, uh, in EPS, for sure, we've been trying to boost our numbers of, of uh, experts in that uh, field just to meet with that demand because there is no uh, actual device that's doing an adequate job apparently of or have been approved okay uh, and accepted by the courts or the 
by the criminal code. Well, it would be nice to get that sorted out before uh, before marijuana becomes legal, wouldn't it? Oh, for sure. And yeah. I'm not even sure in, uh, like, for example, uh, Colorado, if they've even come up with something there that's actually really? doing the trick. So I think you're right, honestly. So we're relying on the judgment. Now, once an officer, though, uh, concludes that you're impaired by THC, though, then there is a... Is there not a urine test or something? At that point, can they command or demand a urine or blood sample? Yes. Okay. Which is it? Uh, I think actually uh, it could be either or. Okay. The uh, And those, again, go away to a lab for examination and determine your uh, levels of THC. Okay. So over the uh, long weekend, what are your expectations for what's to, what the police are going to be seeing out there? What's the bigger problems? Of... I'm not sure in the city, perhaps, uh, is as big a deal. It's, it always seems to be numbers uh, elsewhere in, in rural and highway collisions, it seems to be, uh, historically. So it's just volume and numbers of whether it's uh, motorcycles fresh out on the road for the, you know, the first couple of weeks uh, because of the length of our winter. Uh, inexperienced people just in a hurry, not paying attention, those sorts of things. And I suppose noise complaints too would be something they're probably up over the weekend. Yeah, well, that's going to be an ongoing thing, of, especially in here in Edmonton. I know it's the River Valley is a big deal for noise, and we're trying to address that too. So, you know, I, I know that you agreed to come on the show, and it was pretty open ended as to what we could talk about, and I appreciate you doing that. So, that's the long weekend. That's uh, you're going to be out there in force, I would assume, as far as impairment goes. Well, for sure, and that's yeah. that's a ongoing thing. Every couple of weeks throughout the year, there's check stops up and, and running, and there will be this weekend too. Are, are you finding a decline at all in who you're catching at check stops? That seems to be fairly steady, unfortunately. Uh, I guess with the volume of traffic, uh, you have eight or ten members out doing a check stop. Uh, there's time processing. Once you latch onto an impaired, it takes time to do that. So if through the course of an evening and an eight-hour uh, shift for check stop, uh, if every member got one, maybe two, the odd person, so you're maybe pulling a dozen off the road and with the volume of traffic in Edmonton, it's hard to know whether you're actually making a dent or not. Does that surprise you at all? No, not that me it's personally, not no. declining? Well, you would hope... And we, it's one of those situations or scenarios, too, where you'd not be able to charge your way out of it. You're not going to catch every person, so you maybe rely on uh, uh, promotion, public uh, messaging or whatever to get people to kind of buy into the idea that it's really not worth your while. Yeah, and I know that uh, police and uh, the government in general has worked cooperatively, and there's organizations that do as well, with the bars themselves to uh, to provide a, you know a safer atmosphere for drinking to not allow individuals to leave or and i don't know if that's as a result of more responsibility being placed on the bars in other words they could get in trouble if they allow it to happen or if that's part of a campaign as well just to make um bar operators more aware of the fact that they could be culpable for whatever happens when somebody leaves impaired i think through those programs like through the hospitality unit with our uh service of the bars are for the most part on board with a lot of those uh, ideas uh, again, it boils down to the individual. Uh, beyond the check stops, of course, you have the 911 to call to alert us to an impaired driver. And that's been a reasonably successful avenue. Is that considered a priority call? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that really adds to the numbers of, of charges over the years. The And it's just, a, again, it's a, a driver attitude thing. Uh, there's people, you know, that maybe have addiction issues and they can't help themselves that are out there driving continuously. Uh, we do our best to to catch up with them. 
uh, hopefully it's not at a collision scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to talk, and that's what I was getting to, you know, as I say, you were gracious enough to not confine the topic to any one specific thing. Aside from the long weekend, can we just talk driving in general? Sure. Because this is just the bane of my existence, as I think we spoke last time. Um, But from your perspective, from uh, traffic enforcement, if you could change one driving habit, just one, that everybody would adhere to a specific rule or routine, what would it be? I'll bet you the biggest, I know in Edmonton, the biggest uh, type of, of collision that drives our stats way up is rear end collisions. And I would assume associated with distraction. It could be distraction or you're just too close. Yeah. Of, and don't give yourself that time. And follow, you know, the following too close uh, in heavier traffic also relates to merging. Uh, doesn't allow mer- people to merge in heavy traffic. Doesn't it just clogs up traffic, of uh, beyond the the collision uh, prospects when you're driving that way. So is there, because you've actually mentioned three of my pet peeves uh, all in one that all I suppose end up in a rear end collision. But there's the following too closely, which just annoys the crap out of me. There's the not allowing um, merge. So in other words, just discourteous driving where either he slams on his brakes because I'm not letting him in or, or the person's not letting him in or, or the person slams on their brakes because this guy cuts him off or whatever, um, which are two, by the way, very fundamental principles of driving or three, not signaling your intentions at all so that you suddenly find yourself slamming on the brakes because this guy just turned in front of you. I mean, what, what would it take? You know, what would it take for drivers to actually learn the basics of driving in this city? Well, those basics you should have learned when you, uh, you know, went through the course or, or were tested for a driving license. The, I'm not sure what it is, whether it's people think it's a competition when they get onto the road to get wherever they're going first, even though no one else on the road is going where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a funny habit and aggravating, as you say, mm-hmm. of the following too close thing. If you can give yourself those few car lengths between and somebody does make an unsignaled lane change, it's not a big deal. Uh, but when you're pinched right up and they're squeezing into a car length space right in front of you, then it's a bigger deal and more potential for a, a crash. Absolutely. I guess add to that as well, it just seems like maybe training has changed. And I know we've had AMA's uh, driver education uh, head on this show. They do teach it at AMA. All these things that we're talking about are taught at the AMA program. But blind spots, for example, maybe they teach it differently. And maybe you don't know the answer to this, but... We were required as a student, so 40 years ago now or more, yeah, 40 years ago, to sit in the driver's seat and describe what we could see around our vehicle. And that's when you realized, hands-on, that there's two blind spots to your vehicle. And so therefore, as a driver, you don't get in someone else's blind spot. Oh, for sure. You know, And that's a safe driving thing, too, to keep in mind especially larger vehicles, but any vehicle, like, a, you know, there's so many pickups around our area that throw out in the road, and they all have a blind spot. You know, Huge manufacturers one, yeah. try and make adjustments with, you know, different mirrors and whatnot so that you can see that. But in heavy traffic and, you know, maybe a little more speed, you may not check. You just flip your signal on if you're using one and, if you're and lucky. start moving, right? So as a another driver on the road, it's kind of... Like, kind of lots of the stuff I consider like personal risk management like it you know you're driving down the road you have to be aware of the risks that you're putting yourself in and try and counteract that by some uh, act on the road like to not stay in the blind spots to make sure people see you when you're passing not signal to, your like, intentions yeah all those things you know and it's the, just common sense really to but, to but why that, but it is common sense though yeah. 
So why don't I listen? I say this all the time. You can see I'm getting agitated because I can't drive from Terwilliger to this station or back again without seeing what I would consider to be at least a half a dozen, maybe a dozen moving violations. Yeah, and it's whether that's just human nature. People get a license, they go by the book to get through the course, and flip the manual out the window because now I can just drive as I wish because nobody's here telling me how to do it. So aren't you the ones there telling we them do, how to do it? But you know the chances of us being at every every event like that on the roadway you know it'd be great yeah it could but it just doesn't work that way a lot of times so specifically we'll take a break here and uh, get back but uh, specifically though for example now i come into edmonton quite late at night often because i'm working out of town and so i'm on the white mud or the anthony henday um two three in the morning coming back into edmonton the white mud is a drag strip uh at that time of night if you drive from one end to the other you'll see at least a couple of cars racing on there i'm sure the police are aware of that and i've always wondered why they don't just put a car out there at night through that time and and catch these guys there are some out there i see them kind of fairly regularly on our highlights each uh, morning you know high speeds there's one the other night 167 in a wow, 60 right. zone up on the fort road so it they're getting picked off. You know, yeah. Sometimes we see that and we don't see a policeman around, but maybe he's picked off the next night or yeah. you know, a mile or two up the road after you've turned off. So we're out there. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of being there at the right uh, the time when these things are happening. Yeah, the don't get me wrong. Habits, I'm not criticizing yeah. what the EPS does. The I, driver uh, habits, too, would say that if that guy's doing that on the White Mud or the Henday, that he's doing something magnitude over the speed limit somewhere else in the city. And there is a lot of enforcement that does go on. Absolutely. All right, we're talking to, uh, is it Staff Sergeant or just Sergeant? Sergeant. Sergeant Kerry Bates with the EPS about traffic safety over the weekend. But in general, need to take our first break. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about school zones too. Well, one of those guests that I could have all afternoon and it would never... I would never feel satisfied that I'd asked all the questions I wanted to. Uh, EPS Sergeant Kerry Bates, uh, we've been talking about just general traffic safety. I said I wanted to talk about school zones. So the city recently installed a whole bunch of school zones, uh, some of which are in my neighborhood, for example. Um, what's your thought on uh, what's your thought on the need for the school zones and the um, just the administration of those school zones? You can't be everywhere where these school zones are. Um, they're actually uh, they removed all the school zones and converted them to playgrounds. Right, so there you're is right. No school Sorry, zone. you're right. Yeah, they're all 30k of playground zones. Yeah, of but the school zones are still the zones for them haven't changed unless there was some extension for a play to encompass a larger area of a playground of. That's, it was part of the Vision Zero mm-hmm. uh, campaign within the city. The police really had no input into it. That was uh, through the traffic safety services in the city of Edmonton. Okay. Because, I mean, that's the thing that I, I, I feel, and I, I don't want you to, you know, have a meeting with your superior after this show or anything, but um, I just feel like um, there are, like the school, or the playground zones, you're right, they're playground zones. My my neighborhood to go from Twilliger to my house, I pass through three playground zones. 
it makes no sense to me. And it makes no sense from a driving perspective, but it makes no sense from an enforcement perspective either, because I don't know how you're going to enforce that, that we have 60 feet of playground zone followed by back up to 50, back down to 30, back up to 50, back down to 30, and then I can make my turn. Yeah, it could be f- depending on the zone itself. I know the uh, manned enforcement does go to some of the busier school zones when they were just school zones, and I'm assuming that would carry on. Of now that the same zone is now just converted to a playground zone. Of I think as far as manned enforcement goes, uh, as opposed to photo enforcement, those zones will probably still see some attention. Uh, some of these shorter, it does get tricky for manned enforcement to work them what they can do with those in in the photo enforcement realm i'm not sure so what's what's your thoughts on photo enforcement you know that that's a big topic especially in edmonton um does it do the job it does some job i guess of of slowing people down i don't know what there's i haven't paid attention to what their statistics are for for violations if it's going up down or staying the same over the years as a police officer though i've always felt that well, I'm not a police officer, but I would have thought that a police officer would prefer to have that conversation at the side of the road to explain what's just happened. It just feels like to me, um, getting a ticket 10 days later in the mail for something I did 10 days ago doesn't really alter my behavior. Unless, of course, unless, of course, I'm, you know, it threatens to, well, there's no points with the radar detect, uh, ticket, though, or with a uh, photo radar ticket, though, right? No, there isn't. And it, it depends on the individual again. Uh, you know, if your your uh, income source maybe isn't as as high mm. as some people, you know that 120 buck ticket or whatever in the mail. If you get two or three of them back to back, will probably have some effect. Generally, uh, there are some that just I'm assuming would just keep going. Like if they can afford it, and there's no reflection on their insurance rates or anything, that's just a cost of doing business for them. Yeah, and I've heard that specific expression before, just the cost of doing business. It's it's a funny thing because, as I say, I you know, and I'm sure you've heard this over the years, no matter what your area of responsibility was, but it's like, well, where's a cop when you need one? Um, and when you talk about these big ticket events, um, do you ever do a specific, focused, big ticket event, like a specific intersection that has a lot of collisions or a specific crosswalk that's had um, injuries to it, or where you just sit there and ticket everybody who's not handling that turn correctly or that stop correctly. The big ticket events are targeted mainly at speed enforcement. Uh, we do have target enforcement. Uh, there's lots of complaints come through our, our complaint desk for specific areas like neighborhoods that people have issues, say with crosswalks or stop sign violations, those sorts of things. And we get to those of and try and do some targeted enforcement. Generally, some of those targeted enforcement are lower numbers, so it takes a lot more time and uh, manpower and especially big intersections. Like if you're thinking of targeting, say, 109th Street in Jasper. Like, exactly. It, it's almost impossible to enforce there. Yeah. So. Of, and these were intersection safety cameras actually help out with those sorts of things as far as straight through red light violations and speed through those intersections. Boy, the listeners are going to hate me for this, but uh, I think that's a light just went off in my head. I think that's a great idea uh, for it, it, as long as people are actually getting charged, like uh, improper turns, improper stops. Um, failing to yield for the traffic, whatever the charge is, I'd be totally okay with that because these things are going to add up. Even if there's no points associated with them, I don't care how rich you are, they're eventually going to add up I don't, because I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't know what else to do to get 80% of the drivers to actually drive with basic skill. 
Yeah, the uh, and I think the f the ISDs are referred to inter intersection safety devices actually do a decent job of those violations. There's some specific violations if it's not speeding or a red light violation it doesn't catch. Like if if you were to turn a different Into direction, the in or left incorrect turn, lane, well, or left yeah. turn infractions. Which left turns in collisions are a big deal. Like uh, it's a very kind of minimal fine in the the uh, safety act, but. Uh, they do cause a lot of damage and injury when a collision does occur for a left-turning vehicle, especially if there's a passenger in that. Absolutely. Well, as I said, never enough time to uh, talk when you're in. We'll have to book you for, I think I said this last time too, we'll have to book you for an hour instead. Uh, EPS Sergeant uh, Kerry Bates uh, talking about traffic safety. We're going to take a break for news headlines. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Winnipeg reporter Brittany Greenslade. She's in Las Vegas, and she's a Jets fan. So that should be an interesting conversation. Uh, Sergeant, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. You're very welcome. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.